Well, make sure you keep your Bibles open there to Luke chapter 15. I have to say this um, passage of Scripture is very close to my heart. Uh, It's a beautiful passage of Scripture. In fact, I think it's so beautiful. We named our first daughter after it. Uh, We named her Abigail, which means her father's joy. And it was to constantly remind us of the joy of the father here to receive sinners home. It's, It's one of the most beautiful stories you'll read. And that really is the point of this chapter. God rejoices to welcome sinners who turn back to him. He's not a grumpy God. He's not a depressive God. He's the joyful God who gets the party started when a sinner repents. So you know where we're going. We've got three headings this morning. It goes three, two, one. Three parties, two sons, one father. So our first heading is three parties. Uh, One thing often missed in these parables is the context. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. That's the very heart of the gospel, isn't it? Jesus receives sinners. It's the gospel. But the religious leaders hate it. This man receives sinners and eats with them. How could a holy man do that? And so it says, verse 3, this is why Jesus told these parables. He tells three parables that get more focused. There's one lost sheep out of a hundred, one lost coin out of ten, and then one lost son out of two. And the big point is the joyful parties at the end of each. Look at verse 6 with me. It says, when the man finds the sheep, he comes home. He calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Or verse 9, when the woman finds the coin, a whole tenth of her wealth, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Verse 32, the father says to the older son, It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this younger brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. See, God is the God of parties. Not Halloween parties or Christmas parties or birthday parties. He's the God of welcome home parties. He's a rejoicing God, a celebrating God. And what gets him celebrating most is a lost sinner repenting. See in verse 7, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Verse 10, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. These three parables are a word to these Pharisees and scribes in verses 1 and 2. And Jesus is saying, this isn't a time to grumble. No, this is a time to party. If you knew the heart of God, you'll be joining me and the other sinners, and you'd be rejoicing in them coming home. Instead, Pharisees and scribes, you're stuck outside the party grumbling, like the older brother. See, everyone expects the younger son, to be outside God's party at the end because he's been so bad. The sting in the tail of this parable is that it's the older son who's left outside the party because he's so good. The end of the parable is left hanging. Will the Pharisees and scribes quit their grumbling and join the Jesus party? Or will they stay outside the party, lost while the younger sons are being found, dead while the younger sons are being made alive. If you're a Christian here today, you know the joy that Jesus is talking about. Not just the joy of coming home to the Father yourself, but the joy of seeing other people come home to God 
of people having their lives turned on their head as Jesus takes them from sinner to righteous, welcomes them home, forgives them, transforms them. It's so much greater, this joy, than the fleeting pleasures that this world has to offer. So that's our first heading, three parties. Our second heading is two sons. And honestly, this parable of the prodigal son has to be one of the greatest stories ever told. It's so powerful, so compact. So let's step through it carefully. Look at verse 11 with me. Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Now I hope you can see this is shocking. This is, if you imagine it, a child today going up to their parents and saying, Mum and Dad, I don't want you. I want your stuff. I can't wait till you're dead and it comes to me, so just give it to me now. It's shocking. It's completely shameful. And yet, if we stop and think about it, this is actually how we treat God, isn't it? He gives us life and breath and relationship and everything else that is good in life, and yet we say, shove off God. We, we want your gifts, but we don't want you. That's what this younger son is like. And keep reading with me in verse 13. It says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. The son leaves, his father takes all his stuff and he goes to Vegas. It's completely shameful. In the, in the traditional Jewish world of Jesus' day, this would have been so looked down upon. This guy is partying hard, he's drinking, he's got all the girls, well, at least while his father's money lasts. Because look at verse 14. He hits rock bottom. He's out of money, it's a famine, the crypto market has crashed, the dot-com bubble has burst, and the younger son's new friends have deserted him as quickly as his cash. He's out feeding boys. For a Jewish, feeding pigs, for a Jewish boy, this is as low as you could go. Like, it's not only eating unkosher pigs, it's feeding them and wanting to eat their food. He's dumpster diving in King's Cross. And he comes to himself, verse 17. He realizes how stupid this is. Here he is starving half to death, even while his father's hired servants, hired servants, they have more than enough. And this is often how it works for us, isn't it? We need to hit rock bottom and have our pride completely crushed before we turn back to God. Like, can you imagine if instead of wasting his money in reckless living, can you imagine if this son went to the far country went to a nice neighborhood and got a job in IT. I reckon he'd stay there and he'd never come home to his father where he belonged. Often, hitting rock bottom can be a grace to crush our pride. And the son did come to an end of his pride. So in verse 18, he prepares a speech for when he returns. And verse 20 is the highest point of tension in the story. He arose and came to his father. How is the father going to respond to this rogue son coming home? Uh, there was actually a custom in Jesus' day for, in the Jewish world for sons who shamed their families like this. They'd be cut off from the family. And what would happen is the father would take a huge clay pot and he'd smash it on the ground in front of the son. And the villagers would say out loud, this man is cut off from his people. This man is cut off from his people. That's the kind of welcome 
that this son should have expected. He's brought such shame and dishonor on his people and on his family. It's kind of like those Australian women who went away to marry Islamic State warriors. No one wants them back in their neighborhood. It's shameful. They're unwanted. And we're sitting on the edge of our seats going, how is this father going to respond? Well, look at verse 20. It says, while he was a still... While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. I love this. The the feeling of the father, it's, it's not bitterness or anger or resentment. Do you see what it says there? It's compassion. It's this deep, gut wrenching feeling of love from deep down within him. He has compassion on his son. This is what God is like with ruined sinners like us who turn back to him. I want to ask, do you know that? It doesn't matter what you've done, how shameful you feel, how unlovable you think you are. If you come back to God, you repent. And he's filled with compassion for you. In Instead of the father piling shame on the son, this father actually brings shame on himself. Like Jewish fathers, they didn't run. It was shameful. They'd have to hike up their robes, expose their legs, and go running along the path. Running was for boys. Dignified Jewish men would walk, measured, serious. So why does he run? It's because he's compassionate. He's not a father that you need to impress to get in with. He wants the son to come home. He shamelessly runs to him and embraces him and kisses him. And the son, son, he starts reciting his speech in verse 21. But did you notice when it was read that the son didn't get through his speech? Like before he can, the father's so overjoyed that he doesn't care what his son says. He's just glad to have him back. Just like the shepherd went out to search for the sheep and the, the woman searched for the coin, Here the father has run out to find the son, and it's only now that the son truly gets it. It's not about the father's stuff. It's about the father. And he falls into this joyful, loving embrace of the father. And the father says, verse 22, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. This isn't, it's not going to be a hired servant. No, this is going to be a son with all the privileges of sonship. He can sign contracts with the family ring. And now the father wants to celebrate. The most expensive animal is prepared for the feast. All the town would be called around to celebrate that the son is back. And why, verse 24? For this son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, there's something important for us to get here. Uh, The father doesn't pretend that what the son did wasn't wrong. No, that son, he was really lost. He was really dead. And we, in our culture, we have a problem with this. See, our culture, it doesn't get sin. It doesn't believe in sin. And so it gets all offended if someone is called a sinner. But Jesus didn't pretend that the tax collectors and the sinners weren't sinners. That's just denying reality. Our culture's aversion to sin 
it's like a patient denying they have cancer because they don't like the idea of having cancer. It's foolish and reckless. But Jesus never pretended sin was not a problem. Jesus wasn't celebrating because sin isn't serious. No, he's celebrating because sin is so serious and he came to save sinners. I wonder if there are some younger sons sitting here this morning, people who've run far away from God, turned your back on God, gone to the faraway land. You've wanted God's good things, but you've never wanted God. And like the sun, you've seen that actually it turns out pretty empty. Maybe you're here today to turn over a new leaf. You know, it's a new year. New Year's resolution, I'm going to start coming to church, do things differently. It's a nice resolution to have, but it's only going to last a week or two if you don't understand this parable. If you're a younger son coming back, make sure you don't just come back to church. Make sure you come back to God. Fall into the Father's arms of welcome, knowing you're loved and treasured and that Jesus provides all the forgiveness you need. See, a New Year's resolution will only last as long as your willpower. Falling into the Father's arms, that will last for eternity. But this isn't just the story of the younger son. Much more, actually, it's the parable of the older son who represents the religious teachers in verses 1 and 2. And we see him come in from the field in verse 25. He hears the music and dancing and he asks, what is it about? A servant tells him what's happened in verse 27. But notice the older brother's response in verse 28. It says, he was angry and he refused to go in. He was angry. It's a strong word. He was enraged. This guy is the original party pooper. He can't believe the father would associate with this disgusting, sinful son. Look what he says, verse 29. He says very rudely to his father, Look, these many years I've served you. Literally, it's I've served you as a slave. There's an irony here. This son has come home. Sorry, this son who has been home all along has actually never considered himself to be a son. He's considered himself to be a slave. He says, I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And once again, we have a son who doesn't want the father. He just wants the father's stuff. And this is so important to understand because it's not the younger son who stays outside, it's the older brother. This is why so often bad people go to heaven while good people go to hell. It's because the good people are running through the rituals of religion but never actually care about a relationship with God. Like if I go to church enough and say my prayers enough and do enough religious things, then maybe, maybe God will like me. But in the end, you feel like a slave and not a son. God is after a relationship and he sent Jesus to provide forgiveness so we could have that relationship. There's a real danger for for people like me and for, for many of us who have been at church for many years. There's a danger we'll be like the older sons. I remember Simon Manchester, he mentioned a conversation he had with a lady who had sat in these pews for decades. And most of you know Simon, he is a very clear teacher of the Bible, of the grace of God. And he asked her one day if she thinks she'll go to heaven when she dies. And do you know what her response was? I hope I've been good enough. I hope I've been good enough. She's completely missed it. That's the older son standing outside the party saying, I've slaved away for you all these years. And there's no doubt people here, sitting here now, thinking, I hope I've been good enough. 
to go to heaven. And it feels like slavery, doesn't it? You, you never know if you've done enough. You're an older brother. But I want you to see the compassion of the Father here. See, see this story, it's, it's really lovely because it's Jesus. He's not just condemning the Pharisees and scribes. He's telling them these stories to entreat them, like the Father, to say to these grumbling religious leaders, listen, I know you're grumbling outside the party right now, but there's a great party inside and there's forgiven sinners there and there's great joy. Why don't you stop the slaving away? Why don't you drop trying to be good enough? Why don't you realize that you're no better than anyone else inside the party? Drop the pretense. Admit your sin. Fall into the loving embrace of the Father and come inside and join the party. It's a bit like the funeral of Emperor Franz Joseph of Austria in the early 1900s. as his grand procession, huge. We've seen it recently with the funeral of Queen Elizabeth. Huge procession through the streets of Vienna at that time led up to a monastery door and there was a herald walking in front of the casket of the dead emperor and, and the herald representing the dead emperor knocked on the door and the abbot inside asked, who are you who knocks? The herald replied on behalf of the dead emperor, I am Franz Joseph, emperor of Austria, king of Hungary. I don't know you, said the abbot. Who are you? The herald replied by expanding the titles. I am Franz Joseph, Emperor of Austria, King of Hungary and Bohemia, and Grand Duke of Transylvania. We still don't know you, said the abbot. Who are you? The herald then drops to his knees and he says, I am Franz Joseph, a poor sinner, humbly begging for God's mercy. Only then was the door opened for him. See, older brothers come to God claiming their achievements, their titles. What they really need is nothing, an empty hand. The father entreats him in verse 31, and the story is left hanging. Did the older son come in or not? Like I said, in many ways, this is Jesus' message to the religious leaders of verse 2. Are you older brothers going to come in and join the party or stay outside? So we've seen three parties, two sons. Our last heading is one father. And I suppose the big question is, how have you responded to the father? We have a heavenly father who who rejoices to welcome sinners home. We called our daughter Abigail to remind us of that fact. How have you responded to the father? Are you still in the foreign country like the younger son, trying to live off God's stuff while you reject God? The reality is we we all walk out. We all walk away like that. But going our own way is shallow and ultimately unsatisfying. And the father says, please come home today. And the Bible says Jesus came seeking and saving to bring us to the father. You need to ask, why wouldn't I come back to such a loving father? Or maybe you're out in the fields furious that God would welcome sinners while you go on living this miserable, ritualistic, religious life? Or are you in the Father's embrace, welcome back to the family, deeply loved as a child? Now, there's an illustration I've heard of the Christian life. I find it so helpful. 
I want you to imagine the next day. Imagine the next day. Younger son, he slept in after such a great party. He comes into the kitchen. The father's there. He's cooking up some pancakes for breakfast. There's a warm coffee on the table ready for him. Bright sun, clear blue sky kind of streaming in through the windows. The son's feeling peace and comfort and joy all at once. And his father says, son, I'm so happy you're home. What would you like to do today? What do you think the son says? Do you think he says, you know what, I'm getting pretty tired of this by now. I'm going to head back to the far country, give me more money? No way. Much more likely the son says, Dad, I've missed you. I'm sorry for what I've done to you. Thinking about myself all my life. I've realized how much you love me and care for me. I love you, Dad. I'm so thankful for your forgiveness. And you know what, Dad, you've asked me what I want to do today. But I'm actually more interested in what you want to do. And do you think the father might say, if I can switch up the parables, the father might say, you know what brings me most joy? You know what I'd like to do? What brings me most joy is finding my lost sheep. Why don't we go and do that today? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you so much that you are a loving and compassionate God who runs out to us to welcome us home when we really don't deserve it. We thank you for sending the Lord Jesus, that he paid the price that we deserve to pay to make the way back for us. Father, we pray that if there are any here who are like the younger son in the far country, that they would come home. If there are any here like the older son, rejecting your party, self-righteous, that they would come inside. Father, we pray for all of us that you would give us a heart that beats the same as yours for lost sinners and longs to see more and more come home to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite the...